Well, welcome everyone. How are we doing? Let's try it again. He is risen. That is weak. That is so weak. I said he is risen. That's better. We're going to work on that. Well, it's great to have you here today. I want to uh, begin this message today with something very different. I want everyone to fix your attention on the screen, and you know that we're committed to having a life change story here all throughout 2022. How many of you love to hear life change stories? Well, today we got a different one. My bride had this sent to us from uh, Gloria, actually. And Gloria is one of uh, the members here at 18. It's been here for a long time. And I just wanted to know, I wanted you to know how much this touched my wife and I's hearts. I got I to gotta tell you, by the time I got done to the end of what you're about to see, I got choked up. And my wife was over there crying. And I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I think one of the greatest things that we have here at 180 Chicago is about 17 languages that are spoken here. How sweet is that, guys? 17 languages. Yep. You guys are not celebrating adequately at all. I said there's 17 languages spoken here. What's wrong with you guys? There's obviously a spiritual war here. You get more fired up over a basketball team you don't even like hitting a three-pointer. He is risen. And so, Father, as we move forward today, I just ask your spirit to be moving here in power. You guys agree with me on that one? And thank you for the fact that around the world today, you are changing lives. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. It's going to take a few minutes, but this was produced for Easter 2022. Take a listen to 250 plus languages in over 100 countries around the world. This is our life change story today.
Welcome to church.
Today I want to speak on resurrection power and I want you listening closely. I'm going to move along quickly and I'm going to have passages of scripture on the screen. I'm going to ask you to actually not pull out your Bibles. I want you to look at this as a bit of a just a just a little blast of truth today that you can just let marinate over your soul. It was about 15 years ago that I saw one of the most provocative little videos ever. It taught me something about the way we learn, the way we change. And it wasn't by a preacher. It wasn't by an evangelist. It wasn't by anyone who claimed to even be a follower of Jesus. It was a TED Talk by a guy named Simon Sinek. And in this TED Talk, Simon Sinek brought something forward that when I saw this, I'm like, but of course. He called it the the golden circle. And he said, what we've done in the world today, and he's speaking to business leaders and people that are marketing products and sharing life-changing things, and he said, what we've done is we've told people, this is what we do, and this is how we do it. And he says, we've left out the most important theme, and that is why we do this. I think we in Christianity do it. I teased there a few weeks ago. We say, this is what we do. And this is how we do it now. If you don't know the song, it's okay. But we, we've, we've actually adopted a form of godliness, but in many times we've rejected the power of God. American evangelicalism is perceived as rather impotent because we've talked about this is how you do it, this is what you do, but we've never talked about the why, and until you answer the why, going through all the motions is pretty empty. And could I say impotent? What is resurrection power? And how do we get resurrection power? No, I want to answer a few of the toughest whys on the table today. I'm going to go through seven really quick whys that we have a difficult time even asking ourselves, those of us that have come into a real relationship with Jesus. And a couple of these things, I want to warn you ahead of time, are going to hurt. But the scripture is loaded with answers on each of these. The first question I have flows out of the video that we just saw. Why is resurrection power uniting people across the world today? Why? Why is that? Why is there a certain transcendence about that video that we just saw that takes people from every nation, tribe, and tongue? I'll tell you why. Paul said it in Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses of all time. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, meaning all the flesh and bones, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. When we come into resurrection power, we aren't living anymore. We're not bounded by nation, tribe, and tongues. Here's the answer. Why is resurrection power uniting people across the world? Because it spiritually bonds us more than nation, tribe, or tongue ever possibly could. My bride and I are going to her high school reunion this, this summer. I can't wait. I love high school reunions, especially when it's not mine. 
Because <laughs> I get to go find out all kinds of things about my bride and her upbringing and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm looking forward to having a great time. We're going to go hike in the Rockies a little bit. It's going to be great. But I got to tell you something. As much as that high school that we're going to go see is bonded by memories and all this, the power of Christ to unite people exceeds Macintosh. It exceeds Android. It exceeds high school reunions. It exceeds where you live, what language you speak. When Christ takes over, he is the ultimate unifier. I think the first time I stumbled on this, I was a new follower of Jesus. It's 1985. The president of Far East Broadcasting came to me. He lived in Central California. His name's John Yak Legion. What a name. And Yak, they called him Yak. And Yak came to me and he says, do you want to go with me down to La Mirada, California and see some of the staff at Far East Broadcasting? I said, I do. We got in the car, drove over the grapevine, went down to La Mirada. And there in La Mirada, he introduced me to some of the staff. And then we went down into the mail room and I was blown away. Here in the corner is this man sorting mail. His hands mutilated he was from China, and he was beaten and incarcerated for his faith, only liberated a few years before in a risky maneuver. His hands were truly deformed from all the beatings. His jaw was bent off to one side, but the smile on his face was extraordinary. And we had a translator there, and I said, my name's Carl, I'm, I'm a new follower of Jesus. And he began to weep, and he told me through a translator, oh, that's so good to hear. I could see the Spirit of God on you when you came into my mail room. It transcends nation, tribe, and tongue. Around the globe, people are being brought together because his name is Jesus. And if you've been derailed by dead orthodoxy or mere religious routine, don't judge the empty tomb by man-made nonsense. Second question. Why is resurrection power crazy to some and convincing to others? Well, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says it would be that way. The word of the cross, one of my favorite verses, the word of the cross, 1 Corinthians 1.18, is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Did you hear that? How many of you believe that? Do you remember a time when the, when the word of the cross was folly? I do. I was raised in church, and to be quite candid with you, I thought, this is weird. People are getting kind of excited about stuff that I don't know there's that much to get that excited about. Why is resurrection power crazy to some and convincing to others? And I'm going to give you the answer. It must be experienced to be fully understood. And this is why, if you're a genuine follower of Jesus, don't wig out when people don't understand you. This just makes sense in life. I remember hearing about shooting rapids when I was a kid living in Alaska. I heard about it. I heard it was a thrill. heard it was amazing. One day I got into a dog sled race with five dogs. I was 14 years old and I actually won that race. 
And at the finish line, they had the greatest awards ever. Usually it was like candy bars and stuff like that. Today it was grab out of a hat for a trip. And since you won, you get to grab out of the hat for the trip that you get. I got a two-person trip down the Talchalitna River in the center of Alaska on a four-day rafting fishing trip, all expenses paid. Flown in on a float plane 180, dropped off, inflate rafts, we've got guides. They're cooking fish for us. I'm like, this is living, baby. They're cooking for us on open fires. I'm like, wow. I don't know about real heaven, but this is heaven. So I'm floating along, and I'd heard about the Talchalitna. Crazy enough, we're at springtime. The river is ripping. We come around the corner, and I'd heard about shooting rapids and how fun it was. Oh, I'm hearing this. Perfectly clear, flat river, perfectly calm, and off in the distance, I hear what sounds like F-15s warming up on a runway. Didn't know. All that slow water wind was just dammed up for this huge descent through the Talchalitna Rapids. Really encouraging, too, to be a little guy coming around a corner, and you're, and you're sitting there on the gunnels of the raft. A guy says, better buckle up, boys. And then he says, see that plaque over there? We just drift right past the plaque in memory of two dudes that died straight ahead. <laughs> Why don't they put that plaque after the picket rapids? <laughs> I mean, I'm cruising through this thing going, ah! And I look at Calvin. And Calvin's always super strong. He's the guy I took on the trip, and Calvin's looking like he's wetting himself sitting over there. I'm like, man, we got trouble. We spilled off that first spillway, and we headed into what they call hell. Real encouraging thing to name that. And it was a mix master. We got thrown out, jumped back in, thrown out, jumped back in. I was so hydrated. I didn't drink water for two years after that trip. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know how you know shooting rapids? You're in them. You know how you know the real Jesus? You're a believer in Jesus Christ that's been transformed from the inside out, and when it really happens, there ain't no denying it. Third question, why is resurrection power not always characteristic in Christians? Told you we'd get honest here. Ready for a funny one? I'm going to ask this question three times in a row with three different answers. First one's found in Matthew 7, 22 through 23, and it's sobering. On that day, Jesus said, many will say to me, this is the day of judgment. This is when, according to Daniel, the book is opened. Okay, Daniel chapter 7, the book is opened. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Ready for the answer? Why is the resurrection power not always characteristic in Christians? Because some have not surrendered to Jesus. They just do spiritual things. I can't cause you to change. The Holy Spirit has to work in your life 
to break you free. But the scariest thing about when the book is opened in Daniel 7 is that there are going to be many who will say, I was, shoot man, I was going to church and better than that, I was helping it in an extravaganza and I was doing all this stuff and he's going to say, I never knew you because it's not about spiritual activity. If it was, do you know how many... Do you know how many people would be born again that truly aren't today? <sighs> Told you I'd ask it three times, three times, because we are pieces of work, the church, and we're sending confusing signals to the world, me included. So how about we ask this again? Why is resurrection power not always characteristic in Christians? In Matthew 28, we find the answer. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is where I need to apologize. Don't put the answer up yet, guys. This is where I need to apologize, first and foremost. I was actually on a radio show in Detroit and a national show that went Na national, that's how that works, yeah. <laughs> and I, this last week for my book, and I felt like the Lord used it so powerfully, and I felt like real freedom in the Lord. And you know one of the things I did? I apologized on behalf of spiritual leaders in America today. Because we have sent a signal to our kids that good Christianity is about showing up at church and giving and doing all this stuff that is secondary Why is resurrection power not always characteristic in Christians? Here's the answer. Some have never learned how to be a disciple of Christ. You know that we're taught to be disciples, and discipleship involves training. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 talks about the grace of God that not only saves us, but trains us, run in such a way as to win the prize, Paul said. Hebrews 12, Paul also said, I don't box at the air, using a boxing metaphor. He says, I buffet my body, I train myself. Let me ask you some simple questions. If you never train to be a boxer, you won't win at, help me, boxing. Boy, you guys are sharp. Let's keep going. If you never train to be a marathoner, you probably won't run a good marathon. Man, you guys are good. I think you get it. If you never train to be a disciple, you won't resemble a disciple of Jesus. And you know what? I'm going to be loving but so clear. We have gathered people and validated ourselves, I'm busting pastors now, by how many are coming and how much is given. And that's a crappy way to measure ministry. It's not even biblical. You say, Pastor Carl, have you ever gotten sucked into that? No, but I know a few guys that have. I'm kidding, guys, come on. <laughs> that's where you're supposed to laugh at me. <laughs> yes, I've gotten sucked into that. It's intoxicating, man. 
but we're called to make disciples. Some of you right now, I hope you're saying to yourself, I don't know if I've been trained to be a disciple. My hope and prayer, and we're not doing it right yet. But I promise you, we are not satisfied with where we are as a church. We are, the leadership is not satisfied. But it is so hard to break out of these ruts of attendance and giving and measuring that rather than disciple-making. But I promise you, I am committed to this. Here's the beautiful thing about becoming old. Some of you are longing for good news. <laughs> See those gray hairs? You actually, if you listen to the voice of God, you actually get a little more wives over time. You actually do. And you actually start doing things that pick and matter. It's really cool. Now, remember I said three times. Some of you are dying for the third one. So here we go. Why is resurrection power not always characteristic in Christians? According to Galatians 3, here's why. And boy, I am the poster boy for this one. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. It's a rhetorical question. Did you receive, this is the Holy Spirit, by works of the law, in other words, performance metrics, being good, acting good, saying the right things, or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? This is the, this is the kicker. Why are Christians not always living in resurrection power. I'm gonna give you the answer to this one, and this is hard. Some have relied on the human spirit more than the Holy Spirit. And there's no comparison. I need you to know something. I'm living in this constantly. My bride and I talk all the time, at least once a week. Man, Bob, isn't it hard to bust loose from this man-centered mindset of, of ministry and life? It's like, it's like trying to retrain. The only thing I can explain is there was a time when Charles Barkley got mocked horrendously for a horrible golf swing he had and had golf coaches come in, but he'd take the club back and he'd come through and he'd come right down here and he'd stop. And then he'd go whack. But he's so strong, he actually could get the ball somewhere. But to try to break that swing of Charles Barkley took some of the best golf coaches in the world forever you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to break the swing of self-help, self-will, striving, performance, and it is brutal, man. I'm in the fight with you. It's worth fighting for. And if you're here and you say, yeah, Christians kind of, you can find inconsistencies in Christians, but... That ain't going to help you when you stand before a holy God. And that leads to this question. Why does everyone need to experience resurrection power? Because John 3, 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Here's the answer. Why does everyone need 
experience resurrection power because we're born with our backs to God and headed for a very painful eternity. And so let me be super clear with you. God condemns no one to hell. We are born in this world with the sin of Adam. We're born with our backs to God. And it's commonly said, but it's true. Raise a two-year-old. You'll see how good-natured everyone is from the womb. And it's not, that's just the way it is. You don't sit there and grump or complain. It's just the way it is. We're born with our backs to God. But here's what I need you to know. I was talking to York Moore. He's an interview that I've done recently. The guy is, was a devout atheist, one of the most intellectual men I know. His, my interview with him will be Monday morning on radio. You can't believe what this guy says. He is on fire. He says, most people don't reject Jesus intellectually. They actually pick a failing of Christianity that, that, that appears so it justifies their own unwillingness not to bow a knee before God. And York Moore, you better come armored up. This dude's got more gray matter than two square blocks of downtown Chicago. Here's what you need to know. We're born with our backs to God and headed for a very painful eternity. I happen to be a b person that does not believe in heaven and in hell in the sense of they are equal punishments or rewards meted out. I believe that there is absolute equality and oneness in heaven, but I believe that there are degrees of consequence. Listen closely. I don't want anyone distracted right now. I believe... Scripture is clear that there are degrees of consequence for eternity separated from God. I don't know how it all works. All I know is that Jesus said it would have been better for Chorazin, which is modern-day Beirut, Lebanon, than for you, Bethsaida. Because if I would have performed these miracles here, up there, they would have repented. So all I want to be clear about, and that's what I want to be super clear about, the more exposure you've had to the story of the grace of God the greater the consequence on the day of judgment. And I love you enough to tell you this. It was York Moore who challenged me, and I was off air with him, and he said, he was talking about, he just opened up a TikTok channel months ago, and now he's got 370,000 kids following him, and he's given the gospel, and he's seeing awesome things happening. But he's, I said, how are you sharing the gospel? He says, I'm telling them the truth, that there's an eternity at stake. And sometimes we want to hedge on those bets. But eternity separated from God isn't worth the life that you're making for yourself. That's as hard as I'm going to get. But can I tell you, I wouldn't love you if I didn't tell you that. It'd be lame. My wife told me this the other day. She said, what a shame it would be to have people that you've preached to, bub, that they get to eternity and they look around and they go, that guy didn't give me all the right information. All right, what one thing, last question. What one thing do we all need to experience? Let me put this in the right phraseology. What one thing do we all need to experience resurrection power? There's something universal in this room. We all need to experience it, and we all get it the same way. Whether you've never been born again or whether you're born again and living foolishly, we all need the same thing. Listen close. Everyone just listen real close. 
In 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, listen to what it says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. I'm going to let all distractions fade away here for a second. Let me read this again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Here's the answer to this question about resurrection power and what we all need. We need to see our need for God in humility and submit to him. That's what we all need. Humility is the game changer. It changes everything, guys. I don't care where you're at today, I'm convinced of this. I know a lot of you feel like I'm so insecure. Insecurity is oftentimes just a shot glass of pride. You can't see it for what it really is. And here's what I want you to know. As as rare as I live in the power of the Holy Spirit, but increasing more and more every day, I can honestly tell you, when Pastor Carl is living in resurrection power, I promise you this, I'm a husband like you can't believe because it ain't me, it's God working through me. I'm a boss like you can't believe because it's God working through me. Sometimes I walk through things when the Holy Spirit's flowing through me and I'm like having an out-of-body experience going, God, you can work in that knucklehead. That's awesome. Some people believe in Jesus as a historical figure, but never experience him relationally or his transforming power. So close, but so far away. I want you to never underestimate the love of God, the life of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, those habits, hurts, and hang-ups that we all have that live in the shadows of our lives, they're redeemable and beatable when surrendered to the triune God. I have a good friend who's an expert counselor, writes in journals, both Christian and secular, studied every therapeutic model imaginable and has concluded, as he told me on the phone three weeks ago, the intervention of God is the only path to lasting transformation. I've found this to be true personally and in the lives of thousands that I've known as a pastor, many winning and others not. So why do many find Christianity fanciful or impotent? That's simple, simple. Nibbling around the edges of Christian principles without bowing in humble submission to God, following the teachings of Jesus and desiring the Holy Spirit more than the human spirit yields nothing. But submitting to the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is your solution for transformation. Jesus is right. When you lose your life, you gain it. And it's awesome. I'm going to ask the band to take the stage right now call an audible here Greg we're going to go to those last two songs we're going to have four couples come up here right now right now I'm going to bring you guys up sooner than I thought come on up guys we're going to have a time of communion that is really going to be a celebration we've got two epic songs 
that we're going to be jumping into here. And I want to encourage you, you if you've never done communion this way before, maybe you've always sat there and had someone bring it to you, we're going to ask you to come to it. There's no pressure here. Even though some of these guys are intimidating, he's really just a teddy bear, this one. (laughs) I just want you to know something. Whether you come forward to take communion or choose not to, I want you to know that we're here for you, but better than that, Jesus wants to meet with you. Okay? And I want you right now to get ready. We're going to have a sweet time. The couples are going to be here for the purpose of not only helping you take, but for prayer. And I want to encourage you to come up. If you need prayer for anything, anything at all, just say, hey, would you pray for me for this? Let them pray over you. These two songs we're going to sing are beautiful. I want you to take your time. You don't have to come rushing to the front. We're going to have plenty of time. Two powerful songs that we're going to have time to take communion in. The bread is on the top of the cup. It's kind of a two-layered thing. It's like COVID approved. But let me tell you something. God wants to meet with you in this moment. If you feel led, you come. Zero pressure. Enjoy. Praise the name of the Lord our God. Father, as we take of this communion today, let us glorify your name in all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.